podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We call whistle, and this is true. We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We don't need robbing, stealing, or mugging. In fact, we'll take it seriously. We're only bugging. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Whistleblowers Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Smith. I'm here as ever with Martin Gritton, ex-professional footballer. Uh, and I'm also with Gareth Dobson, who uh, is, is not an ex-professional footballer. He's a current professional music mogul um, and Spurs fan, crucially. And we'll start with you, Gareth, because it's been a bit of a mad week for Spurs. This time last week, gents, we were saying that the, the United-Spurs game... Only one of those managers was realistically going to get sacked afterwards. And it's not the one that went. It wasn't so sure. We all thought, well, you know, Nuno's got a few weeks of grace at least left. And in the end, Gareth, it was a, a brutal and swift guillotine to the neck for Nuno. And in has come Conte. It feels like, we, it feels like this, this is, they've packed in three months' worth of stuff into a week. Forza Italia. Um, Forza Italia. It's, it, it's, it's been a wild ride. I, I think maybe... Are you excited? Are you happy? I, you know, I am. I'm, I'm one of those... I've bought in... I've been suckered in when the moment we we fired um, Nuno, I, I was I was you know doom and gloom. You're like, where does the club go? The club's inherently broken. They you know this team is an absolute mess. There's nothing you can you can do with him. You couldn't improve them. When suddenly the the, the second you get you get wins that Conte's coming in, and, and it's like, wow, there's a lot of good players here for him to work with. He really he's really got some yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a great base to work. It, it's lifted the whole club. I I I was thinking about this. In terms of where the manager is, in terms of his standings, this is probably the biggest hire in Spurs' history. 100% agree. When when Mourinho came in, he'd obviously been on the slide a little bit. Uh, you have to almost go back to when Spurs took Jack Santini um, a long time ago, and he was essentially coming off as World Cup winning Jack Santini. Uh, but this is this is the biggest name ever. It's, it's pretty much unheard of for, you know, essentially a mid-ranking team like Spurs to, to find Conte. We'll see how long it lasts. I But I, I think most Spurs fans will trade in a lot of heartache for a trophy. Uh, grits. Um, some excitement there from Gareth. I'm going to go a step further and say that I think overnight, by that appointment, Spurs are now in a strong position to finish top four this season. We'll get into why maybe a bit later on. But are we getting ahead of ourselves here, Grits? Are we getting too excited by this? Is is Conte the best manager or the the sort of most high-profile manager within still their peak years? Or do you think it's just a load of nonsense? They've done really well to get it done, that business done so quickly. Um, and again, probably... A, a, Was it quick? Was it? I mean, they did it last summer. Well, Spurs are now an example of how to get rid of a manager and get someone in because there's a lot of other teams in the league that are floundering at the minute and you know even though United would you say that Spurs are actually now in a better position after being beaten by United than United are in you know just in terms of for the rest of the season looking at I think so yeah so the it's, it's crazy how that has worked I mean I did say Nuno was gonna go I, I was fairly confident of that but then again I did say Norwich would win so um you know, and I will not. <laughs> I will not die on that hill anymore. I'm climbing. Back. We all get it wrong, particularly <laughs> on this show. We, we almost exclusively get it wrong. Uh, but grits as a as a player, um, you've gone from playing under Nuno, who it was pretty dour football, and there's no suggestion that Conte is going to be completely, you know, uh, expansive and expressive in the way he plays. He's more likely to be a bit of a discipl- disciplinarian and play quite. 
um, a structured system. But as a player, just the announcement of Conte coming in and that juxtaposition between Conte coming in, the excitement compared to the, you know, the sort of uh, only four months in, but knowing how depressing it looked under Nuno, that must make you feel six inches taller, doesn't it? Well, it's, it's, it'll put a rocket up a few of them. And I think um, Hugo Lloris was quoted as saying, you know, the expectations have immediately gone up. So it shows you the yeah. calibre. And, and, you know, he's one of you know Spurs' best international players, certainly. So in terms of credibility, um, Conte's got it. And, yeah, as I would be heartened if I was a regular, but also there's players that are out in the cold. The Conte will come in and say, "Well, look, you know, it's a clean slate." And there's a there's a, Here's your chance. There's a few iterations of teams since Poch left that need um, a chance to kind of either have one last crack of the whip or get rid of the deadwood. And you know, you have the feeling that he will be, uh, as you say, a disciplinarian and won't suffer fools. Um, Gareth. Lots been made of the fact that when Conte was at Chelsea, he resurrected Victor Moses as this right wing back who could sort of do anything, and he was a brilliant player for for Conte. Who do you see from that current Spurs squad that could be a surprise package in the same vein? Anyone out of left field that maybe we haven't really thought about too much? Is there a Matt Doherty renaissance on its way? Well, you do look at the the fullbacks who probably are better suited to be wing backs. Um, I you know. Serge uh, Reguillon, um, who has essentially been very mediocre since he came to Spurs. He, you know, in theory could do very well. Um, and Doherty, I mean, we'll see. He, he's been essentially ostracised by the last two managers. Um, I, I, I think, you know, watching Ben Davies come in and play last weekend was a very sobering thing for a lot of Spurs fans because it spoke to you know, how little that Nuno thought about uh, regular and, and and also what kind of shape the defence is in. It's it, it's hard to say, you know, he, I would love to say that he could reunite uh, Delhi. That's obviously the one I think a lot of Spurs fans would love to see. But again, you know, Delhi Alley's been a reclamation project for the last couple of managers and, and it's really not happened except in very small fits and fits and starts. I do think maybe the one who could push on if he buys in is... Um, is Tango Ndombele, who is mm-hmm. one of the most talented players in the squad. And he was in the league. Look, yeah, indeed. And he was starting to look better and better um, under Nuno. I mean, Lo Celso as well. There's, I, I think, you know, this, this is it. It gives you a lot of hope about a lot of, you know, Spurs haven't bought bad players recently. I don't think, I think they may have bought the wrong players for various systems and they don't have a lot of the glue elements, um, you know, it essentially, you know that the Spurs midfield will be Hoiberg plus two, but no idea who they're going to be. So I think it's going to be fascinating to see who Conte picks and who, you know, who he feels suits his system. Like you said, you know, is there a Victor Moses? Um, it's going to give hope to people like Harry Winks, who who was out of... Just about to mention him. Who was yeah. out of the squad, essentially, and seemingly on his way out. Nuno had left him out of, out of the last two matchday squads. And, um, you know, let's not forget two years ago, he was... He was playing for England. He's a very tidy footballer, and he's the sort of player that if he went to Man City, I think Pep would get so much out of him in that system. Um, I'll stay with you, Gareth, because you are a Spurs fan. What uh, in the summer before Nuno was appointed and before you went through that rigmarole of sort of carousel of potential new managers? Daniel Levy said that he wanted to sort of reinstate that attacking football philosophy. Are you going to get that with Conte? I mean. He, the, the 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 general consensus on Conte is it's a three five two, or a three four three, and it's 
quite defensive and reactive. But at Inter Milan, we saw them score millions of goals and look fantastic. So which which version do you think we're going to get here? So I, I think it's it's never really about for, for for football fans. It's not about so much systems and you know how how is this play how is done. It's if the football is dynamic, if goals are scored, if games are won, and that's what Conte does. You know, Conte does play dynamic football. You know, it's very custom for us. It's like you know you go back to those early days of Mourinho. No one really called Mourinho boring because his Chelsea teams were absolutely piling on the goals. No, they did. Right. I, I remember <laughs> I remember when Chelsea would win home games every week 3-0 and fans would still say, I mean, obviously great result, but it's not It's not an exciting, th- as mad as that sounds, it's not an exciting 3-0. People no, were burning enough. at the time. I've got, I've okay, got, I've got maybe a better example is someone like um, Atletico Madrid and Simeone. He yes. is a defensive manager, but because they play well, because they play with commitment and because there is an element of dynamism there, no one else says, oh, they're really boring. You won't, don't want to watch them. There's something, you know, obviously I feel like I'm overselling this, but there's something beautiful about, you know, well put together teams that know what they're doing, that play with commitment and skill and quality. And Definitely. that's what Conte brings. So it's, you know, again, with Mourinho, Spurs fans would have swallowed a lot if he'd won a few more games and, and he didn't. And that's when you... Better done what, sorry? If they had won a few more games, they would have what, sorry? swallowed a lot. They I would think. have swallowed, swallowed a lot. A lot. Okay. Um, how, no? how much Mourinho can you swallow? Um, Perfect timing to bring in Martin Gritton on that. Then he's, Gritz, he's um, passionate. Conte's passionate, isn't he? We're yes. talking about managers that you get behind. That I want to see what his post-match reaction is. You know, I want to see, um, you know, what he has to say about players. He's going to be honest and he's going to be, you know, committed, as you say. He's going to be box office. Uh, yeah, he is. He is, and he would. Spurs are getting him at that box office time in his career still. So, um, as you say, Gareth, the biggest managerial appointment of in Spurs history, quite possibly. He's only in his early 50s. It feels like he's been around forever. He's a young man still in terms of footballing managers. I would say he's got young man's hair. That's, that's, that's the magic. Yeah. And a good that man's hair. Always a good suit. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. As at the least you'd expect. Uh, Gritz, last week when United went to play Spurs... It turned out that that Spurs game was sort of the perfect fixture they could have had to bounce back. Spurs have got Everton away this week. Is that the perfect game for for Conte to start his Premier League um, second or third stint? Second stint. Is it the perfect game for him to start? Yeah, you would. You'd want to play Everton in a minute. My goodness, a, a dire. I, I feel that the teams that are down there, we'll, sure, we'll come on to Villa in a minute because uh, we've always got sympathies with Villa for the way that they play. And you feel like they're just they're not quite having the luck and things aren't clicking in as they are before. And obviously, the Grealish fact to be abstain on Everton at the minute. Everton's demise has just been, you know, uh, the capitulation. It's they really and they've got beaten by teams that they should be performing a lot better than. And and we know how well organised Wolves are, but yeah, I mean. They just need to pull, pull, pull something out. I, I mean, to be honest, they'll probably look at Spurs and say that you, you can flip a coin and, and you don't really know what sort of Spurs team is going to show up uh, in this game. But, you know, that'll be to their own detriment. If they don't turn up, uh, Conte will probably uh, make some quite quite uh, big decisions just off the back of that game. But yeah, I, you know, Everton are the team you want to play at the minute, unfortunately for them. Yeah, uh, Gareth, I mean, do you echo that? I mean, Everton... This is the thing. This is the thing with Everton and with Rafa Benitez teams is they do generally, there is generally a bit of a bounce back after a little run. Is that going to come against Conte's Spurs? I don't think it is, but you're probably going to be more uh, negative than most given that you have something invested in this. Yeah, I probably am. I, I, I'm not sure it's a slam dunk. It, maybe the question is, you know, what, what's more 
more powerful than Benitez factor or the Everton factor. Everton just don't appear to ever be able to put on a consistent run of games. And does that essentially overpower the fact that, you know, Benitez is an incredibly competent and smart manager who rarely loses a series of games. He always puts something together. So we will see. I mean, there's a league, you know, there's a Europa conference game to come before that. So, you know, that will give you some hints as to, you know, how Spurs are looking. It's Spurs are definitely winning the PR war, you know, on social media. There's just pictures of very happy players sort of, yeah, you know, yeah. in the training ground and it's happy Harry Kane, happy Harry Kane. And, you know, I don't know whether a happy Harry Kane is enough to li- lift essentially what's been a 12 month malaise for him. He, he's not, he's, he's basically pushing a year since he's really been in a sustained period of form, but you know, there's enough around Spurs that they can even win, even if he's still building up to up to full power. Yeah, big game for Everton. They've they've really struggled recently since they drew with uh, Manchester United, lost at home to Everton. Uh, sorry, lost away at Everton, got hammered at home against Watford, and then didn't look much better away at Wolves. Their games they would expect to get something out of because upcoming they've got Spurs, then they got City, and then a very tricky one with Brentford away. So this feels like um, it's very early to say this, but as it is for a lot of managers at this sort of time of year, a lot of games become sort of must-wins, don't they? And yeah. I think this is definitely one of them, Grits. Do, do you think... Um, this is He's not under any pressure, is he here, Benitez? Is he? Or is he? No, I, well, I think... I, I think, obviously, the fans won't be happy and the club won't be happy. But look, he's had to deal with a lot of injuries and a lot of bizarre situations with some key players, uh, which I probably won't go into too much detail on. But um, the, obviously, Calvert-Lewin. Calvert-Lewin... The goals that he was scoring, he was a real form player last season and he just, like, he was irresistible. He was getting on the end of things, little touches, getting his desire to get... Always occupying people. Honestly, he was brilliant. And you know, I reckon he will have the same second half of the season as he had first half of the season because what he needs, it feels like he hasn't had a pre-season. He's not really been fully fit. He's probably played, let's face it, a lot of maybe too much football in the last 12 months. And if he can, if they can get him back to his best, because... He makes things happen around him as well, you know. And there's a lot of those players that uh, he's the catalyst for a lot of the players that play around yeah, him. Yeah. Um, and they plugged holes. And you look at Townsend and Gray, and they've they've stepped up. But the issues that have always been in place at, at Everton is consistency, and for those players, so it's having players that consistently score goals. Calvert Lewin is that sort of player. Richardson, see, Richardson can play off of. Uh, Calvert-Lewin because you don't expect Richardson to win every game but he'll win things that you don't expect him to win because he's yeah, got that yeah, world class yeah, yeah. he really is a phenomenal player but just you can't rely on him week in week out you have to have no. a triple pronged at least a triple pronged if not attack but you know two two attacking players that are going to score goals and one midfielder from Everton it always seems to have been that way yeah yeah um, let's talk about Calvert-Lewin from a punditry point of view he was on with um, Jamie Carragher on Monday Night Football and he was brilliant and I just wonder why why more current pros don't like to do it. Uh, Martin, I mean, you're you're an ex-pro and you do this sort of thing now. Is it the sort of thing that if it had been available to you, you'd have done more of whilst playing? Or is there a reason people don't want to do it? There's a reason, because clubs all have press officers that would absolutely do not want the hassle of having to brief a player, let them... Uh, let them get interrogated. I mean, I think it really helps that the quality of the Sky um, people he's speaking to, so Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher have broken the mould on that so that they will ask questions that footballers are happy Jones. answering. Yeah, I, I yeah. think they're, they're a really nice blend and they know the sort of stuff footballers are willing to talk about. 
And, and if you look at the players that are great spokesmen in the league at the minute, players like Bamford, Rashford, people that um, have got something people want to say, well, they're, they're obviously either very good at speaking to it or they're very well advised. And I, and I think some of the younger players could come unstuck if, if they did it. Yeah. I, I agree that I really like seeing it, but you go back to the, you know, the era of uh, Shearer and Wright and stuff are still around. From when they played, they were like, just it just wasn't worth the hassle when they were playing. No, that's right. They just try and get tripped up. I like the way that people like Neville are now going out and being the ones that lead these interviews because they're not trying to catch the guys out. They're just trying to get yeah. us insight that we would love to know Monday about night football. Players. Yeah, Monday night football is very much like... We're, they're on the player's side. They're not looking to stitch anyone up. They're not looking to get a quick buck and get a headline. You know, they, it feels like a really nice little fraternity of current and, and former pros. And yeah, I thought Cavaloon was great. It is weird though, isn't it, Gareth, to watch him stood in front of the big screen at the end while Jamie Carragher slags off all his teammates. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, I, I do understand why, you know, perhaps you, you bring in a current player for the team who's playing, but I think that, um, you know, it does limit what you're going to get out of them. It's, I guess yeah. if you were, you know, if Dominic Cavalloon was being asked to comment on Man United, Man City, and he doesn't necessarily want to criticise a club that maybe he thinks, oh, maybe one day I'll sign for them. Maybe that's what yeah. sort of limits you in that sense. But it is fun because it always brings that speculation, especially when I'm trying to remember who it was. There was a current pro who was on a Sky Sunday game. I think his team were like 4-0 down at halftime and the cameras pan back at halftime. He's just not there. He's gone. He's been excused. <laughs> um, I absolutely can't remember who it was, but it was absolutely right. And, you know, it is that speculation of, oh, you know, penny for penny for seeing what Dominic Calvin Lewin is going to say at halftime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a nice it's a nice change of pace, I think. Uh, right, we're well overdue for a break. We've overrun in this first half. So uh, after that, we'll talk about United against City and uh, West Ham are at home to Liverpool. Definitely worth talking about. See you in a minute. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct... Something that's less Mr. Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to the show. Uh, the biggest game of the weekend, I think, is United City. There are, there's, there's an argument to be had there. But United City, we talked about United a little bit in the first uh, section there. Now I think that I think Spurs with Conte are a bigger lock for top four than United. Now I think that appointment overnight has 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 done it. I also think that United have sort of fucked themselves because they now there is no outstanding manager on the market that can come in if if Solskjaer leaves or if Solskjaer is sacked. Um, you look at the likes of Graham Potter, he's not going to leave and go there at the minute. 
Brendan Rodgers, I don't know if he's the right guy anyway. Definitely an upgrade, but I'm not sure he's the right guy. So I feel like Grits, Solskjaer's in now, and I think he's in until they mathematically can't get top four anymore, which might be the end of the season, the very, very end. Or it might be sooner than that. Am I being? Am I going overboard here with United and their their hopes for the rest of the season, or is it a case that the individual quality in the squad, like we saw again midweek with Ronaldo, is that always going to be enough to dig him out of these holes he keeps making for himself? It's so difficult, isn't it? Because we've been saying this since after that first six months of his tenure. It's always just been enough to paper over the cracks and just do. Yeah. What he can, and he's had the insane budget to get in the right players, and these players will get him out of it. I'm just a little bit concerned for um, if if you don't support Man United, which uh, you know a lot of people don't, um, it's an absolute banter area. It's hilarious. It's just they're it's, the funniest team I've ever the seen. Club just just hoist by their own petard, Mark. It's really quite <laughs> it's quite interesting to watch. But um, I. I don't know. I, I think it's maybe the most exciting United team, and and, and not necessarily for you know a good reason. They they can be absolutely unbelievable going forward, but when that happens, it's sort of just because you've got these players on the pitch. There's no system at play. Yeah. And 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 on the other end, they can be disastrous at the back. So and you watch United game, you have got no idea what's going to happen next. Do you know? I listen. I did love the the quality of their finishes against Spurs. Were it was sensational. I mean, Ronaldo, the slickness of moving Cavani, Rashford. Mm. I just loved watching them play, and that's the thing. I will always enjoy watching this United team if they can find a way to get uh, best at Fernandez, get all these players playing. Uh, you know, anywhere near their optimum, and they should just steamroll teams. But somehow. You know, Fred always gets in the way. <laughs> yeah, Gareth, uh, are you as bullish on this as I am from a Spurs point of view, them finishing head of United? No, absolutely not. But um, <laughs> it's it, it. you look at Manchester United's next run of games in the league and they've got uh, City this weekend and then it's Chelsea, Watford, Arsenal and Crystal Palace, which is a really interesting gauntlet. I mean, even... Even Watford, who you assume they would beat, you know, let's see how they, you know, how Ranieri does. And... Oh, Watford! I'll say this now: Watford are going to beat Manchester United. There is zero doubt about it. There is no doubt about that. They've won a few games against them in in recent in recent times, and yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, whether Crystal Palace can be an you know an obdurate or even better opponent. So it's and that that's all pretty much through. November, so it could be a a pretty horrible month for Solskjaer. Uh, plus, of course, I mean, it looks like they'll be okay in the Champions League now. They they get to wrap that up, um, but then it does ease <laughs> it's up. Not, you're making it sound like look, they are going to make it if, if they qualify from the Champions League group. They won't be doing it against Villarreal. They'll be doing it last minute against young boys. Young boys. They're not the sort of club that gets things done. <laughs> they just they just sort of wait until there's no other options and then hope one of their big boys bails them out. I think that they are, like I said earlier, one of the funniest teams to watch. So it'll be, it'll uh, be one big, of the most big exciting. Boys, big boys be young boys then. It'll be big the big boys, boys be young boys. boys. That's their exactly. title. That's, what I, that's all I want to see. That's why I pay my BT subscription. But it's just, they are a mess. It does feel that they're pretty much turning into sort of mid-90s Newcastle. Absolutely. You know, it's, they're, 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 there's basically Janolas and Ferdinands and Shearers, and then at the back there's Steve Howies, and it's just not, it's just not ideal. And but, yes, but what do, but we, we look back on that mid-90s Newcastle side, and we love it. What a great side. So it's not a bad thing from a neutral point of view, but if you're a United fan, or, 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 or just a fan of having the biggest clubs compete at the top level and having a really strong Premier League, 
maybe it's not so much fun. I mean, I I just don't know how much further it can go as it currently is. And uh, it would be, and I'll say this, if if Ronaldo, most successful ever Champions League player, and Rafa Varane, whose nickname is Champions League Varane, if they're playing in the Europa League next season, it should be a hangable offence for Solskjaer. That should be it. If, not, if, not sackable, hangable. If United are in the Europa League and Cristiano Ronaldo is probably not at United, um, I, I, I do think that come hook or crook, this this experiment probably ends at the at the end of the season. Um, I think Manchester United's board have probably seen enough, and I'm sure there's enough seeds of doubt placed in. You know, they're not a young team. That's the other thing. You know, they have a fairly aging collection of players who are either have peaked or on the way on the, on the way out, or they're at their peak in terms of yeah. you know, Bruno Fernandes and even Pogba. Pogba won't be there next season. You would assume. Um, he's going to leave on a free. Um, so there, there, there's going to be so much urgency to, to to make something of this very good, very expensive collection of players. Solskjaer doesn't get another job after this, by the way. Solskjaer goes straight to the Indian Premier League or the um, or, or Qatar or China. It just literally will be... Oh, are they a, not jobs? A, a are they not jobs, Grits? It will not They're be... Jobs. It will not, he will not even get the derby offered him, Mark. He will just I'm going to say he gets back. a really random international job. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, man. Listen, I've been very, very positive about Solskjaer over the last three years, as you both know. And I think he has left them in, a, if he was to leave today, would have left them in a better position than when he took over. But from a Derby point of view, Derby County supporting point of view, I actually think <laughs> Wayne Rooney would be a better shout currently. Don't do that. For God's sake, don't do that. But I think I would... I feel like he has a better grasp on management than Solskjaer even at this point. Anyway, we've got to crack on because this brings us on to... Yeah, stop talking about United. Let's talk about Palace. Palace beating City. Let's talk about Man, no, let's talk about Man City first because, yeah, this is it. So United play Man City this weekend. It's all set up for them to play a very defensive game and probably beat City because we don't know anything. But Man City, uh, Grits, they seem to have underwhelmed a little bit. You mentioned they're the Palace game. Talk me through what you made of that and, and what it means for Man City going forwards got to love Palace I mean we've, we've, that's love the thing Palace. we've missed the opportunity to praise them for an incredible I love Vieira uh, Vieira's brilliant he's uh, honestly yeah. he's, he's a great manager and he's brought through uh, he's entrusted um, Gallagher in the middle of midfield who you can't say he's a great manager yet Grits. he's like four months in man alright cool I really like the way he's gone about his first four months at, at Palace yes, um, and just watching them get beat I mean I love pa- Palace are a great side anyway but this he seems to have taken what Roy Hodgson's done and elevated it a little bit. You know, he's brought yeah. in, they play with a little bit more um, attacking flair. I, I, Gallagher, they've struck struck gold with him. I mean, he's going to have to keep bringing in the right sort of players. But if when Eze comes back, when, you know, you look at some of the other players that are at his disposal, anyway, and looking at look at how they kind of stifled City. Um, De Bruyne looked a bit frustrated. I don't, he's still not firing on all cylinders, but, you know, he always has these problems. He was rested last night against Bruges, so I fully expect yeah. him to rip Manchester United to shreds if, if he decides to. Because we're, we're due a performance from him, aren't we? I think um, Jesus, yeah. if, if his um, goal had gone it been allowed, um, I think he would have you know, been a slightly more confident player. But yeah, things conspired against City. I don't think it's, it'll derail them at all. I think if he gets his balance right, I would love to see them uh, destroy United, though, just to just to put, the, um, put that back in the frame. But Gareth, um, United aren't going to play like they did against Liverpool, are they? Because if they do, 
they will get absolutely demolished. How do you see this game going? I mean, are we are we sure they won't? <laughs> it's just <laughs> well, no, this, this no. is what you were going. This is what you, you know you're alluding to is that that they could they could do anything. I Solskjaer has a better record against Guardiola than most managers in the Premier League. I think he's won three out of six, um, and he's drawn another one. Whenever Pogba doesn't play, well, you what apparently, but this is this is forgetting that you know when they had that brilliant comeback against. Uh, Man City, Pogba was very instrumental in that. So I, I think that's you know the, the classic anti-Pogba media narrative. Um, I, I, I'm sure you know I'm sure there's something about that, but I, I think just to say that if you don't play Pogba and he's suspended, I, I think right he's suspended for another couple of league I th- games. I don't know if he is. I, I I thought he was, and someone mentioned that he might play this weekend. So I don't know. But um, I I would assume that he won't be in the starting eleven. I assume they'll they'll trust your Freds and your McTominays and. And your other underwhelming uh, uh, midfield dynamos, but it's it is hard. So you would assume that Manchester United will will play a fairly defensive and 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 contain game, and and will look for Ronaldo to pop up and do one of those Ronaldo things. And and it might be enough. I'd be interested to see how Rashford works his way back into the team. He he keeps coming off the bench and scoring. Maybe right now he's got you know twenty five thirty minutes in his legs. And uh, Solskjaer might be tempted to 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 keep it like that, but you know that's very promising for them. Is that you know um, he's coming back and the you know missing Varane, um, he has he's out of a hamstring now. I think for for, for around a month, yeah, another month, which is a a big big issue. I mean, you know, although Lindelof seems to always do better against um, you know you can bully Lindelof, but they don't have any bullies in their team, so. They might be. They might get away with it this time. No, but they've got Man City. You've got players that can still torture you without being physically too too threatening. Um, Grits, are you? You love Man City. We know that. You think they're amazing. Fine. Um, <laughs> you think they're going to smash United this weekend again? Fine. Um, are they as scary as they have been in previous years? Um, has Grealish delivered just yet? Because I'm a huge Grealish fan, as you know. If you talk to Man City fans, they love him as well. We're never. It's never a wise thing to judge Grealish on stats, is it? Because he's not. He's not a prolific guy to score fifteen and get twenty assists, is he? But I think he's slotted in pretty well there, and I think Man City is starting to get back to it. Yeah, I think he's great. I think he's getting used to playing in that system where you know you're not the necessarily the most important player on the team. You've got to kind of integrate, move the ball, play kind of dynamic stuff, but at the same time you're you're part of a bigger picture. Um, I think he played really well against Bruges. Uh, he is now, I, th- I think City obviously have suffered by not signing an out-and-out striker, but we could bang that drum all night. I think you know they don't need one because they can go on and win games. But when you look at Liverpool, click back into that slick team that they that, that they were before with their three strikers, and you know you just think Man City kind of they lack that cut and thrust up front. Um, but you know if you're going to, the problem is you can't you can't play all those players at the same time. You can't play. Foden, Mares, uh, Grealish, De Bruyne, you can't play them all. Uh, you know, Bernardo, um, it's it's really difficult. So they've got that problem. And and, and look at the, when the hand was forced last year with Gundogan in midfield, it actually made the balance better. But he's not going to get a game at the minute. So um, yeah, it's, it's a strange. He's, he's trying to pick. He's trying to pick the race horses for courses. But I, you know, I. 
I think the, the Palace game shows that it's it's not as simple as that because teams are second guessing yeah, and coming and presenting other problems. So um, United obviously can do that because they've got the right personnel, but a nice swashbuckling 3-3 or 4-3 would be lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't it? That'd be great. But it's uh, Saturday early kickoff. That never happens. Um, let's. Uh, I've talked about, or we've talked about Spurs and United battling out for top four and uh, which of those two is going to get it. But a team we haven't mentioned yet, West Ham. I mean, West Ham currently look like the best bet for that fourth position. They are at home to Liverpool this weekend. And Gareth, that's a chance there to really cement their uh, c- cement their intentions on that top four and really put a flag in the sand and say, look, this is us. We are here for the long haul this season. Do you see them getting anything at home to Liverpool? It, it, I mean, of course, it, it's feasible. Uh, the way that Liverpool are playing at the moment, I'd say they're the best team in the league. Um, West Ham maybe on form are, are, are right behind them, but it's <clears throat> it they you know they've come against Liverpool at exactly the wrong time. Um, but it's you know cliches abound. West Ham are there on merit. You know they've not lucked their way into the top four. They're they're in the top four because they are currently playing as one of the best teams in the league. Um, you know Moyes does never have a great record against Liverpool. Um, but equally, you know, neither of West Ham, you know, and things things may be changing. I West Ham will, I think, will keep performing as long as they keep this, you know, 14, 15 players fit, and currently they're fit. So potentially, I think they could they could do okay. I mean, playing at home right now, it's I think you know West Ham has always been a poisonous place when a team are playing badly, and you know it lacks atmosphere and it, it lacks you know any vibe at that same. However. When they're playing well, you know, that place is jumping. It's absolutely raucous. It's probably the first time in its short history where the players are excited to be playing at home now. You know, the fans are understandably ecstatic. So maybe going into that, you know, that late Sunday kickoff, everyone's building up towards it. Um, it's going to be a thing. I'll be interested to see what sort of team West Ham pull out in the Europa League. Uh, I'm going, they're, they're obviously going for for this competition and rightly so. So if that's going to affect how they do. I mean, Liverpool managed to basically ease off against Atletico when Atletico had half their team sent off the other night. So maybe Liverpool are in a slightly better position because they're playing a day earlier and, you know, might not have as much an intense game. But I suspect that Liverpool will win. Um, I would actually love to see West Ham win because I think, like you said, this could be a huge statement game for them. The problem is, Grits, if West Ham win this game and Chelsea win theirs, all of a sudden Chelsea are clear and looking particularly strong, aren't they? So, I don't know. This West Ham team, I just think they're unbelievable. And I think Gareth's absolutely right. If they can keep their core players fit and healthy, they've got a good shot at it. Um, you know West Ham well. You you work at the stadium. Um, is this the first time you can remember where a home game against a team like this, you have expectations of something that isn't just a valiant loss? Or scraping a draw. Yeah, well, I think West Ham have, have always been the side that they're happy to bloody the noses of the top six whenever they can, and that you know they they've always been able to pull out big results, and but they've not been able to be consistent. And I think their consistency against the teams below the top six has been perhaps why they are where they are. Um, and if you if you stay in those margins, if you just kind of work those the things that you can work, Moyes has been brilliant at uh, squad management, match management, keeping players fit. 
I think um, Gareth's absolutely right. Tonight's team against Genk will, will show how seriously he's taken Sunday. I can't see him playing anything other than the second string. I mean, I'd be even su- surprised if we see Suchek and Rice, and he knows that those guys can play as many games, as many minutes as you want to put at them. So it'll be interesting to see. Liverpool's a no-lose gamble for him, though, because you're not expected to win that. In all honesty, I mean, Liverpool, it's, it's how they approach the game is probably the most difficult thing for West Ham because if they come correct and they, and as you said, they need to win it now because they can't let Chelsea gain any ground on them, then Moyes has got to look beyond this game and say, well, you know, why throw everything against, the, you know, throw everything against Liverpool side when he's actually got an incredibly busy December coming but up? How many, but how many times do we see managers come unstuck doing that where you see him rest a bunch of players? He won't, he won't take any less. I just think the pressure's off him from... Uh, yeah. From Bit outside. of a free hit, exactly. It's a free hit, and I and I uh, and I. It is this is the season where you look at will they go on and and push on to that top four? Because realistically, these are the games you're going to have to nick a few of these during the season. And is this, yeah, the, yeah. And is this one that you can nick? So uh, we'll see. But it'll be a cracking match. And as you said, I love watching West Ham. They're so well set up. Um, and they play great football. They play great counter-attacking football. Very hard to break down. But we've seen them come unstuck against teams that go at them like the Red Arrows. I mean, Brentford were a difficult task for them, um, you know, and, and and they can come unstuck against pace sometimes, but Zoom has added an extra dimension to them at the back. So let's see. Uh, West Ham have got a heck of a, as you alluded to, heck of a, a, a six-week period coming up. You know, they've got, they've got Handy Wolves, they've got uh, Man City, they've got Chelsea, and then they've got Brighton. So that's, that is a gauntlet, and that obviously includes starting with with Liverpool. So we will know a lot more about them by the time we get to Christmas. Oh God, I love football! I love yeah. football. Well, that, you chuck another one in there, Gareth. You got um, West Ham will be playing Conte's uh, at Tottenham in the in the next round of the Carabao on the twenty second of December. A game that no one really wants to play because it's like in a congested period already in December, and that will be a different. That will be a very different Spurs side. So, uh, be oh, a- I, I'm afraid that result's really in. Spurs will beat West Ham. They will get to the <laughs> the, the final of the uh, EFL Trophy, and they'll lose to someone. It's it's done. Yeah, we will remember. But do you that think moment. in that in that final, do you think a, a, a goalkeeper will refuse to be substituted by Conte? Because <laughs> like I can't see that happening. I'd really like. To think so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, look, that's all we've got time for. Um, good episode, gentlemen. Gareth, anything to plug? Um, not too much. I'm off on holiday next week, off to Brecon Beacons in Wales. So come <laughs> and say hi. Oh, <laughs> Grits, any holidays booked? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to Seville at the, the end of this month, but not tell anyone. Oh, I'm going to New York. Boy, boy, yeah. boy. What are you doing What's out there? abroad? Just being a good lad. Absolute boy. Full time good lad. All right. Nice one, guys. Uh, thank you uh, for listening. We'll be back same time, same place on the Whistleblowers podcast. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.